Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, FightfulMMA.com. Go over there, get all of your MMA news. Subscribe to this channel if you're watching live on YouTube. We have news updates, James Lynch's interviews, a lot of boxing updates and podcasts. But over at FightfulMMA.com, hundreds if not thousands of comments each go around on our uh, UFC coverages, on our Bellator coverages. We have pickums that run all year long, in which I won all three of last year. It was amazing. Pro <laughs> wrestling, MMA, uh, the combination. I, I won them all. I guess you could call me uh, the Triple Crown winner, but I digress. I am joined today by a man who was nominated, did not win Journalist of the Year, but was nominated once upon a time. Showdown Joe. Well, the fix was in back then, right? It's it pretty was. obvious. It was. <laughs> it was you all were... Americans versus one Canadian. So so you are the you were the best in Canada. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I think International we're... Journalist yeah. of the Year, <laughs> Showdown Joe. We are uh, also joined by a man who will likely be nominated for that many times in his career, one James Lynch. James, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. I appreciate the endorsement. There's a lot going on. Knee buckle gate. It's real. It's, it's a happening. We're going to talk about it. Let's jump right into it. UFC Phoenix, Cain Velazquez, Francis Ngannou. Before I share my slant, showdown Joe, what do you think happened? Francis Ngannou beats Cain Velazquez. Immediately afterwards, Dominic Cruz says, his knee buckled. His knee buckled, guys. What did you see? Listen, uh, based on my conversation since that fight went down, I can attest that I am apparently in the extreme minority right now, uh, what I saw was a guy's knee buckle. I did not see a strike that caused any sort of pain. I saw a guy that got hit, went in there to stabilize his takedown, and then the immediate wince of pain on his face. When you hit somebody or you knock them out, you, you never see winces of pain. You just see the head bobble back and forth. Uh, what I saw was a guy's knee completely get blown out or, or get damaged and then go down to like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain here. And then Ngano, the power man, just coming down and pounding him. So, of course, the ref's going to stop that fight because Kane's not going to be able to intelligently defend himself. But in my opinion, his knee buckled. And kudos to Francis. You know, he got the win. 
I got to do what you got to do, but I, I would like to see a rematch because I don't think that was the fair result. I know I'm probably in the minority here. I talked to so many people, but I'm like, I watched the replay 10, 15 times. That's what I saw. Well, hey, we can run it back in 2023 when Kane fights again. James, <laughs> what did you see? I, I thought fight. he I, I thought he did get hit. One of the replays I saw, it was it wasn't as prevalent as I mean, obviously with the fact that we're even talking about it, I think kind of shows that. But uh, I, I he he did get hit slightly. Um one of the replays I saw, you can see his face uh sort of uh you know take impact um just on one of the one of the angles that I saw. I mean, certainly the need, you know, went out as well, but uh I to me it wasn't it wasn't anything controversial. I I thought he did get hit. Regardless, I think if if your knee's going out or or whatever, um, I, I think that's probably you know Father Time telling you something. It's unfortunate, man. I I remember like watching this fight on uh, on Sunday just before it went out. I, I got really excited. You know, every time you know you see Cain Velasquez fight, it's usually uh, it usually delivers. And and this just I don't know, it just didn't look the same. And and I think uh, we we might the MMA gods might be telling Cain something. Uh, you know, after that result. Yeah, uh, I I do believe that Cain got hit. I believe that's what buckled him. It split him up. There were there was some footage that had emerged of him like being ginger on the knee ahead of time. I think this is a great win for Francis Ngannou, and for better or for worse, this fight played out exactly as not just the three of us as m- most people expected. And I think if you're Francis Ngannou, I think you kind of know your game plan at this point, Joe. You throw your hands at somebody's face if it connects that gr- that's great. Everything else is a backup plan. Oh yeah, of course. I mean that's his strength, right? That's his strength, and he's got so much power and. Uh, his precision is getting much, much better. I think it's, actually his precision has been pretty good, uh, even going way back before the, I think it was the Orlovsky fight. There was somebody that he competed against where he was just stalking. He was literally a predator. He was stalking his opponent, waiting for his time, and then boom, once he unleashed, it was over. We already know uh, you know, the whole situation with Alexander, uh, or sorry, with uh, Overeem. Uh, so we already know that joke. And I think Daniel Cormier said it was best. They're still looking for his, uh, for, you know, Overeem's skull in the moon somewhere. So, uh, yeah, I get it. But in terms of Nganu, my goodness, does he have power? But, uh, I didn't see it in this fight, guys. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. I think, uh, this was a situation where Kane's knee blew out and that was it. So I want to know what's next for these guys. Francis Nganu's name is in the conversation. However, immediately following this show, Dana White said, Daniel Cormier is hurt, so I'm not going to announce anything. But, we do have his next fight lined up. James Lynch, who do you think is lined up for for Cormier? Personally, I'm thinking, man, Miocic needs to fight again. But uh, Brock's out there. He's free and clear in about two months. I, I I really think that they're trying to do Jones. I know I know this sounds weird, but I think that um I think that's what he was referring to, and that's why we haven't heard an official announcement yet. Is that they're waiting to see what happens at UFC two thirty five. I think if Jones loses, you could still do that fight at heavyweight. Um, yeah. you know, just because of the intrigue factor, because of everything that surrounded, uh, you know, their second fight and uh, even their first fight, obviously too. Just I I think that that is the big money fight. Look, I, I see a lot of people talking about Francis Ngannou and Cormier. I, I love that matchup. I think it's awesome. But if you're DC, you're not taking that fight. You need a big payday, and there's two big paydays. There's Brock, and there's um, uh, John Jones, and that's it. I just don't see him fighting, rematching Stipe. I don't see him um, you know, taking any other fight that isn't Jones or, or Brock at this point because I think he knows he's done enough for the UFCs on the tail end of his career. You can't risk it by fighting a Sipe or, or, or Nagano. Like people are talking about how Nagano, you know, obviously the, the win, you know, definitely propelled him, casual audience, whatever, but he's nowhere near the star power of Jones or Lesnar. People have to realize that, that he's, he's not going to fight Cormier. To be honest, if I'm the UFC, what I try to do is Cain Velasquez versus Stipe Miocic. I think that is a top flight fight that you can 
man, you want to you want to headline an ESPN show or you want to add some real depth underneath a, a title fight on a pay per view. You have two arguably of the greatest heavyweights of all time battling it out. Uh, Joe, what do you think is next for Ngannou? What do you think is next for Kane? Uh, I'm, I'm in total agreement with James. Like, I mean, in terms of uh, just to go back for, for DC right now, the Brock Lesnar fight is number one, in my opinion. That That's the fight that has to happen. The Jones fight would be second because it's still a money fight. It's a trilogy fight. I'd like to see it happen. Um, the fact that people are talking about Ngannou versus DC and DC saying he wants to avenge that loss for Kane, I think it's great. I think it's more of a, a an emotional fight for DC, but it's not a big payday fight, which is what he deserves. He deserves a big payday fight, a money fight, uh, and that's something against Brock Lesnar and or number two, John Jones. In terms of Kane Velasquez, taking on Stipe Miocic, I think is a, you know, for, for our sake, is a fantastic fight. I think it's a deserving fight, but People will say, well, Cain Velasquez hasn't fought in 74 years, and he just fought now for the first time in, in three quarters of a century, uh, and he lost. Well, I, don't, I, I won't consider this a loss, in my opinion, a real loss. So you give me Cain Velasquez versus Stipe Miocic, you're damn right I'm going to be paying attention to that fight. I think it's a fantastic fight. I think it says a lot. What it, it would mean a lot for both of those guys to see, hey, Cain, you know what? Do you still have it? Do you or do you not? Because I don't think this fight versus Ngannou tells us whether he had it or not. I'm not sure about father time, James. I'm not sure if it's father time that caused the injury. Other Because, look, I've had freak injuries before in the gym, uh, playing hockey, playing soccer, um, working at a full-time job, bending over to pick something. My my, uh, my pelvic bone switched or, or, or completely disadjusted itself. So freak things happen, right? Freak things happen. So give me Kane Velasquez versus Stipe Miocic. No ifs, ands, or buts. Stipe does not deserve a rematch with Daniel Cormier. I don't care if people think he is one of the greatest of all time. He got defeated decisively. If he did not, it was a close fight, guys. Yeah, you know what? Give me that rematch. But he did not. He, de- he needs to fight one more time. Why not fight Cain Velasquez? If Stipe Miocic had more of a marketing pedigree, if Stipe Miocic's stock value with the mainstream audience was out there, people would be screaming for this fight, not just the hardcore fans, but people outside, out in the mainstream, they would be screaming for this fight. Nobody is screaming for this fight other than those perhaps inside the MMA bubble. I think you got to make the fights that are just there and easy to make. The the money, that's that's the thing I think Bellator is getting a little bit better at. If they think there's a money fight, they're just going to go ahead and make it. Like putting Daly and MVP in this round of the tournament, smart idea, but still a little bit too late. Uh Joe, you talk about freak things happening. We always allege that there are freak things happening on James Vick's casting couch back in, his, <laughs> in, in the background. I'm one to talk, right? Yeah. But um, he had some freak things happen to his leg on Saturday or Sunday night, rather. Paul Felder chopped away at it. He gets a big win, James. This is an impressive victory and exactly what Paul Felder needed to do, in my opinion. Paul Felder quietly one four of five. I mean, he's got that broadcasting gig. It is a good time to be Paul Felder right now. Not if you're Paul Felder's lung. I don't know if you read about that, that his lung oh, yeah. collapsed at the end of yeah. the fight. Uh, just again, just showing that the type of warrior this guy is. Yeah, he's another guy. His stock went up big time. That was a, it was a really impressive win over James Vick. Um, you know, just, just hung in there, you know, bit down on the mouthpiece. Uh, what I found so interesting about this fight, and I completely overlooked this, uh, you know, heading into the, um, into the fight. Uh, Paul Felder by decision was plus 400. 
Because um, because I think you know the thing is I think you thought if Felder was going to win it was by knockout and he certainly had his moments because uh, you know Vic has been knocked out before but uh, yeah I think both guys put on a good show unfortunate for Vic I think this is it for him at 155 I mean if there is ever a signal to to move up I'm not saying the weight cut necessarily played a role in in the loss but um, his whole thing about why he wasn't moving up to 170 was well if I move up I'm not going to be ranked very high well I'll tell you what he just lost to Paul Felder he lost to Gaethje before that. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be ranked uh, very high at all in the lightweight division. So why not go up, save yourself the extra pounds, use, you know, come in 100% where it's not, the, you know, the cut's not making an impact here. So I'd like to see Vic go up. And I think Vic will be more successful. Like we saw Michael Chiesa move up. He looked great against Condit. I think we'll see the same thing here with Vic. And for Felder, he's in that conversation now, guys. He, he really is. He's in that, you know, that, that sort of that range of, of getting bigger fights, bigger opponents. It's a huge win for him. Including tough, uh, James Vic heading into I think last summer was 12 and 2 in the UFC unbelievable run but he's dropped two against guys that you have to beat if you want that title shot to me the ranking doesn't mean a whole lot when you're losing to these guys uh no disrespect to Felder and Gaethje those are more than passable wins or uh, more than formidable opponents but you look at Paul Felder and I think he's won six of his last seven lightweight fights and uh, that that Mike Perry when he took on short notice you can kind of throw that out what did this victory say to you, Joe? Because obviously he, he overcame a lot in winning this fight. Well, I think one of the most impressive things that I like about Paul Felder, especially in this fight here, is his facial reactions or, or lack thereof. His face doesn't change, whether he's executed a fantastic combination, lands a beautiful calf kick or seven calf kicks, uh, or getting tagged in the face. He continually moves forward. He continually stays focused and just gets the job done. I think it's fantastic for him. He moves up to number 10 uh, in the rankings, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and what... what James said about Vic moving up to 170. Um, to echo that sentiment, at 155, you cannot afford to even lose once. Losing twice is not a good thing, especially against the guys that are above you in the rankings. So at 170, when you take a look at you know James Vic's size, I mean he's he's way bigger uh, than Jorge Masvidal and, and guys of that nature. You know he's, he's a big guy. Uh, he can use his reach. You have that extra weight uh, to play around with. It's a, it's a big big jump from 155 to 170 it's 15 pounds guys so you do have to carry on uh, a bit more weight but if it's his natural weight uh and he's not suffering in the weight cut i don't see why not uh, in terms of what could be next for paul felder that's a fantastic question i'd like to see him fight kevin lee to be honest with you a couple of the women's fights on this show some top 15 battles here andrea lee obviously has overcome a lot personally over the last year gets a unanimous decision win over ashley evan smith and in what was a puzzling ranking to me anyway, Courtney Casey was ranked above Cynthia Calvillo. That will no longer be the case. Calvillo picks up that win over Casey. Uh, we also saw Emily Whitmire just job out Alexandra Albu. Like, it wasn't even close, James. And Emily Whitmire uh, was very emotional after her win, which was the quickest submission in women's strawweight history. What stood out to you out of these uh, three women's fights? Yeah, Whitmire looked great. I think uh, you know we uh, we talked about it on the on the preview that uh, her activity and and her just being in Vegas I think really paid dividends in in that in that matchup. Andrea Lee looked great. Um, I'd like to see Andrea Lee without you know like without a couple months of distractions like like you had the Milwaukee fight canceled. You had her switching camps, the whole issue with her husband, everything else, uh, her ex husband I should say. Um, you know I, I think 
I, I think Ashley Evan Smith gave her a bit more than people thought, but uh, let's see how Andrea is with all, all those distractions. I think she really could make a run at this. Um, but yeah, Whitmire to me was the, the story here because I think with her, even if you watched earlier in, early in her career, um, you know, when she fought for RFA or even on tough, the skill set's there. It's just mentally she wasn't 100% there. And I think that you saw the skill set put to, put to use in that fight. And, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to see what's next for her. Joe, anything uh, stand out to you here? I just Courtney Casey and, and both even actually Evan Smith not able to execute uh, their techniques with some sort of like power. You know what I'm saying? Like the technique was there, but just not having that punch and that power behind them. And I, I guess Cynthia kind of took advantage of that as well as Andrea Lee. I liked her striking as well, obviously, uh, and doing what she does. I never have a chance to watch the Emily Whitmire fight. I just read up on it. I tried to find it online. I uh, couldn't even get it on Fight Pass. It just wasn't loading up properly. So uh, I wasn't able to see that fight by all accounts. She did a fantastic job in her fight. I mean, 61 seconds is, is pretty fantastic. But uh, I'm, interesting to, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Cynthia, uh, if she's going to get that fight uh, or if not. And Andrea Lee, man, she's gone through a lot, obviously. Uh, and to be able to come out victorious, especially winning uh, all three rounds on all three judges' scorecards, good for her. We also saw Cron Gracie make his debut. First time we've seen a Gracie win in the UFC since 1994, Joe. Mm-hmm. What do you expect out of Cron Gracie? So, uh, he's going to get tagged. He better get that striking on point. I mean, people were messaging me that you got to check out this Cron Gracie and blah, blah. I'm like, I called three of his fights, guys. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> who he is. He competed in Ryzen. Uh, I know everything about this guy back and forth. He's a DS brother through and through. Let's be honest for a second. But he's got to get that striking uh, on point because eventually there's going to be guys that will not allow him to clinch. I think his that takedown or the way he was able to take Caceres down was absolutely awesome. Uh, hooking the leg and then being able to just use the, not even power, but the technique to just lean his body to the one side and it just make Caceres pop up in the air. Uh, and that's all Kron needs. Once he, or Kron, once, once he gets your back, um, you know, the worst thing for Kron Gracie in the UFC are the five minute time limits, five minute rounds. It's the worst thing for him. You give this guy 10 or 15 minutes, like you saw against Kawajiri, He'll choke you out. Eventually, he's going to choke you out. So good for him. He's able to get that victory. But eventually, at the featherweight division, he better get that striking on point. I know he's got it. He's got it. He uses it for one thing, guys. Strike, clinch, takedown. That's all he uses it for. But eventually, he's going to run into, run into some guys that are not going to be able to be taken down that easily. James, we also saw Aljamain Sterling defeating Jimmy Rivera. This is as good as Aljamain Sterling has ever looked to me. This is the biggest win of his career, in my estimation. Uh, we watched that fight and we see Aljamain Sterling on this career resurgence after he dropped those two fights to a Sun Sound Caraway. And of course, he, he lost to Marias there, but now he's won five of six. He's looking real good these days. Yeah, it's really incredible to see the improvements he's made, just like even over a couple fights. Uh, to take out Jimmy Rivera is no easy task. Uh, you know, I, I do have some questions about. Uh, you know, his, his takedowns, because, you know, he had some trouble with Rivera getting him down initially, but, uh, you know, he sort of took over as it goes on. Um, yeah, I got to quit counting this guy out of fights because uh, I think I picked all of his fights wrong. He's uh, he's, he's been great, looking good, and, um, you know, just a, a nice surprise in the division. Uh, you know, I, I think there was a lot of hype when he came into the UFC, had some setbacks, but now it seems like he's really finding his stride. And at bantamweight right now, um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him face the winner of uh, Garbrandt and, and Pedro Munoz, to be honest. I think he's earned a shot like that. You beat a guy like Rivera who has a good record, I think it earns you that spot. We also uh, see Henan Burrell probably on his way out of the UFC. If he stuck, sticks around, 
I, I, what what can he do? He's already on the the fight pa- or the ESPN Plus prelims. He got cracked by Luke Sanders. And uh, James, you spoke to Luke Sanders. He, you know, I don't want to say looked great or anything, but man, he he did what he had to do, and he's he's given himself some new life in the UFC. He certainly has, and uh, it's it's great to see Luke uh, get the win here with everything he had to go through, you know, heading into the fight. I know he switched camps and, and things of that nature. So uh, for him to get a win like that is just, uh, you know, not only keeps his job in the UFC, but just, you know, good to see that he's able to continue his career. And for Brow, it's funny, Bellator mentioned their uh, their, their featherweight tournament yesterday. Brow would look pretty good there because, uh, you know, he's, he's a name. I mean, he's... He's, he's definitely a shell of the, the last fighter we saw, um, you know, when, when he was uh, reigning the bantamweight division. But, uh, yeah, it just, I mean, the fact that he missed weight again just speaks volumes to where his head's at at this point. I mean, how many times he missed? It's been a number of times now. Um, and, and, you know, this has got to be it for him in the UFC. I think he goes to Bellator next. Joe, what do you think? He's not even ranked in the division he was a champion in. Okay? Yeah. So make a decision. You can't. It, it, it almost feels like every time he competes, there's an issue making weight. Something happens. He falls and bangs his head uh, on a tub. He can't make way for this one, 138, whatever. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you got to go to 145. But right now, looking up and down the top 15, plus the champion at 145, you probably want to go to Bellator. You probably want to go to Bellator. You may want to have a run if you want to run out your contract. Do Run it out at 145 pounds in the UFC. See what you have left. But then you got to go to Bellator. Maybe you can make some money, make some noise over there. But Man, look at some of the guys that, that are at 145 in the top 15. Uh, none of us here, none of the three of us here can say that Hayden Burrell's got a really good chance against any one of those guys, right? So, I look forward to Bellator, Antarctica, Burrell versus Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Lenz picks up a win. Manny Bermudez picks up a win. And Andre Feely defeats Miles Jury. And then Vicente oh. Luque comes back and beats Brian Barbarena in a banger joe uh, that fight was amazing barbarina might have had it if not if it lasted six more seconds one of my i got five on it would have had it if just yeah. a few more seconds but this was a blast yeah it's one of those things i remember ba- james do you remember when i used to do the um uh the things on on, on ufc central um the getting to know segments yep of course one of yeah. the questions that i would always ask the fighters so sean what it was is we we would bank questions specifically and ask every fighter that we would run into the same questions over and over again, and we would build what's called the getting-to-know segment. Uh, And one of the questions I would often ask fighters in in various divisions was, what do you do when you're competing against an opponent that you've thrown everything imaginable at him or her, and they just won't go away? What does the mindset, what do you do in that type of situation? And here we saw it in this fight here uh, with Vicente just taking on Barbarina. It's like, what am I going to do to knock this guy out? Like, I'm hitting him with everything, and he just keeps coming at me like a zombie. And eventually it paid off with six seconds left in the fight. But, man, what a classic scrap, especially even the end of the first round. But these two guys going at each other, man, Barbarina is something special. But got to get some head movement going. You can't keep taking those shots all the time. James, as we wrap up this show, anything else that, that you'll remember from UFC Phoenix? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Um, I thought that, you know, Andre Feely looked good against Miles Jury. He's a guy who's sort of turned things around a little bit. He always fights to a close decision, but this was pretty decisive in beating Miles Jury. I like Manny Bermudez's win over Benito Lopez, but overshadowed with him missing weight. Um, one of the fights I suggested for Bermudez next, just because I, you know, he's, he's calling out these prospects. I don't like matchups like that. You got to build your division. I don't like the, the O'Malley or the uh, Katona call out. Why not Hani Yaya coming off a loss, but a submission specialist. Let's see who's jujitsu is better. I, I think that fight would be interesting. Um, um, Nick Lentz looked good. Again, a guy who was counted out in this fight against uh, Holtzman. 
And uh, Luque and uh, Barbarena, yeah, I think Luque's a guy too that, uh, you know, like you said, he did pull it out at the end, but uh, still another finish. This guy's got to get a named opponent next. His only loss in his, in his sort of his last couple of fights is to Leon Edwards. Um, you know, maybe you give him the winner of, of Edwards and, um, and Gunnar Nelson or something along those lines. People might say he doesn't deserve it, but you got to look at the resume right now. He's just finishing guys left, right, and center. Uh, this is a really good card overall. Uh, nice uh, wait for the UFC era on ESPN to kick off on the main channel. They did great ratings again. This move to ESPN, Joe, has been a wild success for the UFC. Well, not for Cain Velasquez because they first used him <laughs> versus Junior Dos Santos in the Fox, the very first Fox fight. Uh, he ended up losing his title. Uh, and then he, they used him again for the big ESPN show. And he ended up losing that fight. So if they ever move stations, again, don't put Cain Velasquez. Or Cain Velasquez should not be signing on the dotted line to compete in the main event because uh, history has shown that he's 0-2 when he does that. But uh, other than that, yeah, I mean the ratings are fantastic, and, and it's just good. It's good. I think they're. Um, I, I, we don't have it here, um, Sean, but I'm, I'm assuming they're getting some good promotion uh, on ESPN for yeah. their events, uh, unlike they get here uh, on their sister channel. So there's not really much promotion. Um, you know, I, you know, back in the day when when we were on Sportsnet, you know, you would catch you know our, our commercials or me at, at Leafs games or Oilers games or uh, you know baseball Jays games. You know, we were there always promoting the show and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, I don't know what they're doing at ESPN because there's so much content there, but so far so good for the UFC for sure. Also, they're getting great lead-ins, which really, really help. I mean, they they often have like Duke basketball playing before UFC yeah. events, which which really helps. Well, I'll tell you what didn't help. The super fight, Matt Mitrione, Sergey Haritanov, as Matt Mitrione called it, ended in a super dick kick. This was sad, <laughs> James. This was just sad. He got paid six figures to kick a guy in the balls. It was shades of Eric Prindle and Tiago Santos. Uh, you use an old Bellator reference there. Uh, yeah, just extremely disappointing. Didn't that happen like seven times with them? It, it happened, like. I think, twi- yeah, a couple times. And they tried to rebook the fight. That that whole thing was a disaster. Um, yeah, this. I mean, this was the worst case scenario. I mean, this is the you know fans get robbed. Mitrione's fine. Um, I mean, just just a really, yeah, kind of sour way to end things. I mean, we'll talk about Bellator 216 in a second, I'm sure. But this, yeah, this it, this hurt Bellator big time because this was a fight that should have, uh, you know, given some, uh, you know, some other contenders uh, in the heavyweight division. And it it really solved nothing. And Mitro wants a rematch. I, stay the hell away from this fight. I think it's cursed. I think anytime a nut shot's involved, you don't do the rematch. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you got anything on this one? Well, you know what? I, I want to sort of, I don't want to take a shot at Bellator's PR reps, but the next morning when I got when I woke up and I looked at my email and they had the the results of the show, all it said was no contest, nothing else. There's a variety of different ways to end a no con or a fight to end in a no contest. How about you put groin kick or something? Like there yeah. was nothing there whatsoever to tell anybody on that email blast how this or why this fight ended in a no contest. I thought that was extremely poor uh, on Bellator's behalf. Like reread your press releases before you send them out. Uh, Cause not everybody watches your fights at the exact same time. Like I had no idea. And I'm like, I gotta go Google this and figure it out. And I'm like, Oh, 15 seconds. I don't want to watch someone getting kicked in the nuts for 15 seconds or whatever it was, but yeah, cool. On the other side of things, Juju Dantes, Logan Storley, Austin Vanderford, they pick up wins. You had Amanda Bell, who I mentioned has a couple wins over uh, some four horsewomen. So a little bit of value there, at least among hardcore female MMA fans. Uh, James, what do you like about this show? 
there was there were some bright spots. Uh, Steve Mowry looked great on the prelims. He's a guy that I think the UFC wishes they had right now in their heavyweight prospect pool. I mean, he fought a guy who was making his, his debut, but Mowry is just a, a talent to watch. I'm excited to see what's next for him, hopefully a named opponent. Um, you also had um, uh, Austin Vanderford, uh, Paige Van Zandt's husband, getting a pretty impressive win in the first round. Another guy I think the UFC let go of. Uh, you know, he had that great win on Contender Series, a come-from-behind win. I know he's a welterweight, and I know the division's crowded, but I, I think there could have been room for him there. But that's great. Hopefully Bellator pushes him some more. How about John Duma? This guy was a kind of a nobody and, and you know, defeated the Mr. Highlight, Mike Kimball, uh, in the first round. I thought that was impressive. Uh, Dantes back on the winning track. That's good. They need him to win because that division needs some more contenders. And Logan Storm is awesome. I know people don't like the wrestling that, that he does, um, you know, kind of throwback to, to Askren or to, you know, John Fitch, but he's still winning. He's 10 and 0. Let's get this guy a named opponent, get him a Lorenz Lark and get him someone to test his skill set. He, he passed this one with flying colors against a guy that no one really cares about. Let's be honest here in Pascu. Um, you know, some people said Eric Silva. No, let's not do that either. Let's, let's get him an, a winning opponent, uh, you know, an interesting opponent, someone that's not you know, going to be in the tournament right now and, and get him, get him fighting. Cause he's, he's another guy. I think that, uh, you know, the wrestling community follows him a lot. The NCAA wrestling community, cause he has some credentials there. Uh, just keep pushing this guy. He's, he's really interesting in my opinion. Over on Bellator 216, the next night we had three, uh, heavyweight fights that, that I consider important. Although one was really under the radar, Tyrell fortune, who I can see fighting a Steve Mowry in the future, uh, winning dominant fashion as is tradition. Then you had some less exciting fights. Chet Congo gets his win back over Minikov. Mirko Krokop beats Roy Nelson. I do not know who pays to watch Roy Nelson fight in 2019, but if you do, you get what you deserve. Huh? Uh, yeah, part of me, I'm a little bit happy Minikov didn't win because I'm like, you're the reason this, this well, not your, but yeah. his relationship with Bellator was why we had this situation to begin with, this heavyweight tournament. But Chet Congo gets a win. Mirko Krokop gets a win. This fuels speculation of maybe Mirko Krokop and Fedor in the future. They have people calling for Krokop to pass by Congo to fight uh, Bader. What do you see happening, and what do you see in those fights, Joe? Well, I can tell you this. Krokop's retirement fight is Fedor. That's all he's wanted. That's why he went to Bellator, in my opinion. He's chasing Fedor. He wants to fight Fedor. I know when, when I spoke to him and Trig and I spoke to him, uh, the fight that he wanted to retire with was either Fedor and or a young and up and comer. Uh, so he ended up going to Bellator. Uh, I know it didn't. Ha- Some of the rising people were not happy with it, but um, you know the the quote over there is Krokop's going to do Krokop, right? So he went over to Bellator. If- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Roy Nelson, uh, he wants Fedor uh, to be his final fight. Uh, and I can see uh, if Coker's smart enough, he'll probably put that fight on. I don't know if he will, but if he is smart, he'll do it. But, uh, you know, I told you guys last week, Czech Congo was, you know, I thought he was going to beat uh, Minikov. Uh, he did, but obviously in decision fashion. I mean, four of those fights in the main card uh, went to the decision. I will say this, I didn't see the page uh, daily fight. I do want to watch it because of the controversy. I'll, I'll no, leave you don't. You, to, you don't no? want to watch it. It, 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 it was really bad. Yeah. I'll just, Come I'll just on. say that. I mean, 
It, Sean, I don't know. Chime in here. I, I don't know. I, I thought it, I thought it was it was awful. It was like Derek Lewis and Naganu. Yeah, I thought opinion. the whole show sucked. Uh, the the main fight <laughs> sucked on this show, and Bellator fans were mad at me. Like we were heavily disliked on mm-hmm. our our post show. And uh, I mean, I do some things to generate some clickety clacks on those anyway. Got to make mm-hmm. the money, but the no no garbage. I mean, like you, they didn't like it was just five rounds of stupidity. Yeah. Paul Daly tried to out-wrestle. Like, just think about it. Paul Daly, Mr. Wrestling Let's, Kryptonite, tried yeah, to out-wrestle. Try ta- yeah, go ahead and talk about this. MVP yeah. defeated Paul Daly. Paul Daly, the guy who inside the cage said, Boo, Bellator! Boo! And boo the fact that he was getting out-wrestled, stepped in. How many strikes did he throw the first round, James? Oh, it was like nothing. Yeah, I can't Zero? remember. Yeah. Zero and out tried to try to wrestle MVP. Now, hey, if you're winning the fight, that's fine. But he was a giant hypocrite, James. Yeah, yeah. There's a great. I forget who uh, tweeted. I want. I think it was Justin Fox who uh, you know got a uh, like an, an article from an interview that Daily did, and he says it was something along the lines of like, oh, if if if, uh, if he decides to wrestle, then I'm just going to tap out. I forget. It was some, something like 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 that where it's like Daily did the exact opposite of what he said he was going to do. And uh, yeah, it was just daily wrestling. And it's just like, my God. And like this, this was like worst case scenario, like big time. This, it was a boring fight. Page one, but Page looked, uh, he got exposed in my opinion. I mean, it just, the fact that Paul Daly, who's not a wrestler, out wrestled him to a certain degree. He won a, you know, Page ended up winning. It was a close fight. I mean, it could have gone either way, but I mean, Page is fighting Douglas Lima. That line has got to be crazy in, in oh, the yeah. favor of, of Douglas Lima. Like there were, there was nothing in that fight that made you think that Page could hang with any of the fighters in that tournament, in my opinion. And for Daly, I mean, he didn't win. So I mean, it, it's sort of, it's just the whole thing. I don't want to see this rematch. This was just like a terrible way to end this weekend for Bellator, and it really overshadowed some of the good stuff that did happen. But this was just a real, put a real sour taste in, in fans' mouths. It was garbage. <laughs> Yaroslav Amasov also won. He looks good. He he utilized the blueprint to beat Eric Silva. Eric Silva punches himself out. You beat him, James. Yeah, uh, look, look, another good talent, kind of like Storley, where he's sort of flying under the radar a little bit. But this was a good win. Eric Silva. I mean, uh, you know, he's another guy like Barrow, where he's just he hasn't been the same. Uh, you know, since uh, you know his heyday. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what they do with him. I guess just give him fun matchups at this point. But he's not going anywhere near a title. Uh, Amasov is. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, one, one other uh, person I want to mention, uh, Valerie Loretta looked look good. I mean, she sort of had a gimme fight, but you have to do that with prospects. She's 20 years old, uh, you know, has a Taekwondo background, you know, got a lot of media pop. Uh, you know, I saw she was on uh, the MMA hour yesterday. That's good. Attractive girl as well. So you can market her. I think there's some potential there for her. That was sort of one of the few bright spots here, but like even Minikov losing, that's bad too, because they could have at least sold the Bader fight with Minikov as like this undefeated guy, this undefeated Russian fighting the American. They can't do that now. No one wants to see Congo and, and Bader, including Bader. Did you see the tweet? He's like, no. I have no interest in fighting you. Like it's the, yeah, there's so many things that happen on the show that just really did not benefit Bellator whatsoever. And Imagine yeah. if years ago I had told you Ryan Bader doesn't want to fight someone because he's afraid it'd be too boring. <laughs> God. Now, let's talk about the absolute set of balls on Scott Coker, who in December said, ah, oh, you know, man, we would have put MVP and Daily in the UK, but distribution and finding a venue and a date. They ran Newcastle last weekend. They're running Ireland next weekend. Who are they headlining it with? James Gallagher. I got no interest in this show. 
Not a bit. You got Charlie Ward on the show. Okay, fine. Guy that lost two times in UFC, hit the bricks, all of a sudden he's winning in Bellator. No interest in this show, Joe. Joe, did you even know there was a show this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go with what is no for 500, Sean. James, any 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 interest in this? Paul Redmond is on the prelims. Yeah, it, it, I think this, again, is just one of those cards where they're – I don't know if they're um, – it's it's like they're partnering with another promotion in the UK. I can't remember which one. I don't think it's Bama, but it's it's one of them uh, where they're, they're just putting everything together. Unless Charlie Ward, the, the NBA player, was was suiting up, I'd be more interested, but uh, the, 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 the NBA veteran. But, yeah, I mean, Gallagher's fighting a 6-3 and three fighter. Like, why – like. I get you got to give him a bounce back fight, but like, come on. And then, you know, he wanted, this guy was asking for a rematch with Ricky Bandeas and now he's fighting a six and three guy. It just doesn't make much sense. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any interest and I did forget it was this weekend. I knew it was coming up, but, uh, yeah, just zero interest. Unless you're a UK fan, I, I don't see many people tuning into this one under the radar, but Invicta happened this past uh, weekend. Vanessa Porto defeated Pearl Gonzalez. There was an eye poke that technically ended it, but it went to a technical decision. Uh, a hiccup for Pearl Gonzalez. Definitely. Uh, she was not winning that fight anyway, but Vanessa Porto is is a pretty formidable co- competitor. Uh, a lot of people who would be in Pearl Gonzalez's shoes would have just wrapped it up. We, we've seen it time after time. People, especially in the women's division, they lose out of the UFC. They never fight again. She has went to Invicta and worked to get better, and um, that that says a lot to me. She's won three of four in uh, Invicta. Vanessa Porto becomes a champion. Karina Rodriguez defeats Milena Dudavia, which... That's a pretty solid win for her, uh, I guess. Dudavia lost her way out of the UFC, hasn't done well in Invicta, but uh, as we see Karina Rodriguez trying to probably get herself to the UFC, uh, that one stood out. And then you had Deanna Bennett defeating Miranda Maverick. Those were really the three top fights. And Bennett is another person who I thought at one point, probably about 2015, she would be in the UFC, but she just did not have a good run at the end of her Invicta run on Tough or the UFC, but uh, has put together a couple of good wins in Invicta. But this weekend, we have UFC Prague. UFC Prague. Early in the morning, I think. I think it starts... 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern time is the... Uh, I am down for that. Give yeah. me that. James, what are you looking for out of this show? Not exactly the most hyped card in the world. Yeah, um, and, and not really like a, like it's a good fight in the main event, but it's not like one of those ones that really like captivates your attention. Now, there, there's some interesting matchups on here, but mainly, you know, with the European cards, you tend to just get a showcase of, you know, some of the up and coming talent here. Uh, just looking sort of at, at the bottom of the card, you know, Rustam Habilov and Diego Ferrer should be an interesting matchup. Uh, Habilov is a guy that's really tough to beat. And Ferreira is a guy that, uh, you know, has been on a roll 14 and two record, had a bit of a layoff there, but, uh, you know, always finished his fights. Uh, you know, Chris Fishgold, uh, you know, looking to bounce back after his loss to Calvin Cater's interesting. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, John Dodson and Peter Yan's interesting. I'm actually really surprised Dodson took this fight because that's not an easy outing for for uh, Dodson. Yan is sort of the future. And I think that's why they put this fight together. But yeah, this is just, you know, it's like one of those like, uh, you know, like a fight night card. But, you know, you'll tune in and watch it. But nothing really stands out here. Like I, I'm just looking at sort of some of the names. There's not nothing really like, I mean, the main I event mean, is going to be good for the, the obviously the um, light heavyweight division. But other than that, not, not a lot going on here. Yeah, this prelim card is very uh, uncelebrated, I should say. Diego Ferreira, plus 115. Hobby Love, a minus 135. You have Joel Alvarez at a plus 210 taking on... Isma Gulov, a minus 250. Chris Fishgold, a minus 250, taking on Daniel Tamer, a plus 210. 
Uh, Ismail Nardiev is a plus 325 against Mikhail Prezeris, a minus 400. You have uh, Hadzevic at a plus 120. Marco Polo Reyes at a minus 140. Carlo Pedersoli Jr., a minus 125. Dwight Grant, a plus 105. Jillian Robertson, who we spoke to here on Fightful, a minus 145. Veronica Macedo, a plus 125. So at least on this prelim show, there are some some possible flyers that maybe uh, I'd I'd put five on. But Joe, anything that that really stands out to you, like, man, there's value on them, or I'm really looking forward to this fight or this person perform? Uh, There's nothing that I could see. (laughs) I mean, Priseris at minus 400 is kind of ridiculous. Not sorry, not kind of ridiculous. It just seems so high, but everything is pretty tight and pretty close here. So uh, the only thing that I see value on is what we're going to get to um, in a moment, but it's not even value. So yeah, I got nothing on this. Uh, no fives on this undercard. Anybody that you're looking forward to watching perform? I know you spoke to uh, Jillian Robertson ahead of this show, J- James. Yeah, and what's interesting about this fight uh, with her is that uh, you know Dean Thomas is normally in her corner uh, for her fights, and uh, you know she's used to having him around, and uh, that's actually why she went to Rufus Sport because Dean is over there with Tyron Woodley, who's getting ready for his fight, but Dean won't be at this fight because the, it's it's too much for him to you know fly back and forth because he's got to be there for Woodley the week after. So I don't know if that's going to impact her. She's coming off a loss, um, you know, really needs to, to bounce back here. So um, that that's sort of interesting to me to see how that matchup goes. Uh, taking on uh, Macedo, who's uh, five two and one, so you never know what could happen there but uh yeah i mean i i think that's probably one of the ones i'm a little bit more intrigued with but the rest of them yeah that and probably the the habilov and ferrer fight but yeah this is just a i don't know just not not a very strong card to be honest well that, that's a good fight though i mean habilov i mean i spent time with habilov and nurmagomedov and those guys and we were in bahrain just a fantastic fighter he just hasn't been able to take it to that next level uh mm-hmm. but against Ferrer, that's gonna be a good scrap i like that one the main card has at least one person per fight that I'm very interested in seeing, at the very least. You have uh, Ankalaev, who had a great performance last time out. He's a minus 230 over De Abreu, a plus 190. That line, James, oh, how do you see that? It's shifting a little bit, but uh, Ankalaev got beat his first time out, but had a great performance last time. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty. It, it, the fact that it's at 205, I think, is, is interesting because that's a division that sort of needs to, to build up, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the lower half. Um, so, yeah, I mean, big implications for both these guys. I mean, we just saw Anthony Smith, the run that he's gone on to get a title shot, just shows you how wide open this division is. So, big fight here. Um, Ankoliev, I, I think, is probably going to take this one home, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we've seen closer fights here, but uh, I just think his skill set overall is. Uh, you know, is, is superior to, to Ferraris. I don't know how you say that, but uh, I, I think I'll get it done here. I think I think this is a fight to sort of showcase him. That's why it's the first fight on the main card. Yeah, Clidson has like six names. It's Clidson, Ferris, uh, De Abreu. A uh, little bit under the radar, but Ferris does have a, a big win over one Johnny Walker. So uh, that, that says a lot. And uh, beat, I think he's on a six-fight winning streak. This will probably wanna be one of my I got five on it. But you go one fight up, Peter Yan, a minus 265. John Dodson, a plus 225. I think that's one you got five on. I'll make my official picks later. But uh, this is a big fight in the career of both, Joe. I got five on Dodson and a heartbeat in this. Not to take anything away from Peter, but what? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take – I mean, Dodson, we just know he just can't pull that trigger. He just hasn't been able to pull that trigger in in so many of his – what, seven of his last eight fights, in in my opinion – 
Um, we just see the size difference in this one, though. I know, I know, I know. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, speed kills, and, and if John yeah. can use his speed, this this is it. This is where you put your five on it. So uh, interesting to see because if he doesn't, I mean, you take a look at the rankings right now. Peter's at or Peter Jan's at fourteen, uh, and Dotson's at nine. Uh, Peter Jan could be entering the top ten potentially with a victory. So Peter Jan's going to be the biggest looking five foot seven and a half. <laughs> ever because John Dodson is a generous five foot two. Peter Yan has won three straight fights in the UFC, and of course, he had that run uh, as an ACB bantamweight. James Dodson inconsistent at best. I mean, inconsistency is really the tale of his career uh, since the the flyweight run that, that led to him getting beat by Demetrius Johnson. He's beaten the Manny Gamburians, Eddie Winelands, and Pedro Munozes of the world. Uh, at least the, the latter of those, a solid victory. But Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Marias, John Lineker, Demetrius Johnson, we, we run into this a lot. You get to the elite level, then he has trouble. Does I mean, it's hard to say. Peter Yan at that elite level, but it's certainly something we could be talking about in a few years where we look at that and his name isn't that unreasonable to put next to Marias or Jimmy Rivera or Lineker. Huge fight here for both guys. Dodson, it's all about being relevant. For Jan, it's about you know taking that veteran out and, and really uh, propelling up the division here. I like Peter Yan here. I, I think he gets it done. I know that the experience isn't on his side, and, and the quality of opponents haven't been great for, for Jan in the UFC, per se. But um, I, I think he gets it done. But but again, if you're looking for value in this fight, for sure it's on Dodson. I mean, uh, he's still dangerous. He still has knockout power. He's still very fast, like Joe referenced. I think that he's a guy that you can't just immediately write off in a matchup like this. That's what I said Like when, when this matchup was announced. I was surprised Dodson took it because there's not a lot of upside for him. I mean, sure, if he if he gets the win, then he's sort of you know back where he was. But uh, yeah, I think uh, you know Jan's not like a household name. So I think if, if he loses this, this, this uh, it might be the end of John Dodson in the UFC. We'll see. Yeah, he is a guy who would get some offers. Uh, we have Liz Carmouche taking on Lucy Pudilova. This is a good fight. 24-year-old Pudilova um, has uh, went 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Liz Carmouche, I think, is a win or two away from a possible title shot. She is a person who I think always can be there. She will always have the benefit of that visual of her on Ronda Rousey's back. Yeah. cranking away at her face to fall back on. And that's very good. And I, I am a big fan of watching Liz Carmouche fight just because it's a lot of fun usually. She is a minus 135. Pudilova is a plus 115. I think this line is right where it's at. I would maybe have Carmouche as a little more of a favorite, James. But how do you see this one going? Completely agree. One thing that Carmouche did, because I spoke to her ahead of this fight, is that she's not working for this camp. So she's actually focusing all of her energy on training, which is great. One of the things she's added in for strength and conditioning is underwater training. So just imagine, you know, BJ Penn back in the day with the uh, with the rock running through the water. <laughs> uh, but she's doing a lot of that. So I expect her cardio to be really good in this fight. And um, I, I just think, again, uh, kind of like the last fight, I think experience, uh, you know, will will play a factor here. Um, you know, Carmouche has fought the who's who. Pudulova hasn't. Um, I think we're going to see a great performance. And the other thing we got to mention too, guys, look at her teammates. Uh, Pearl Gonzalez just fought. She's got Alima Lee McFarlane uh, defending her title coming up here soon. She's in a camp right now where all the women are getting ready. I think that's great for her. Uh, you know, all everyone's sort of, you know, guns are blazing at the same time at uh, San Diego Combat Academy. So I'm expecting Carmouche to, to win and potentially make a statement here. I think she's someone, even though she's 35, we can't count her out of the flyweight title pitcher because again, she has a lot of experience and I think she's, uh, I think she's going to look great in this fight. You talk about that experience. She's fought the best at 115, 125, 135, 145. She's fought 
Marlos Kunin, Valentina Shevchenko, Sarah Kaufman, Ronda Rousey, Jessica Andrade, Alexis Davis twice, Misha Tate. That's unbelievable. And uh, Joe, we, we talked about the experience, but the thing with Liz Carmouche is she hasn't fought more than once a year since 2013. So since that year that she had that she had the Ronda Rousey fight, she's never fought more than once in a in a calendar year. Uh, will that play a role? Will I mean, will it affect anything? I think personally, her going at this full time is the right thing to do. She's she has to at this point. When else? Yeah. So th- there's an interesting dynamic when you think about that. She is 35 years old, okay, but she doesn't have the MMA mileage of a 35 year old mixed martial artist. Um, so you would think you'd, 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 you know, you look at this fight here and all the different dynamics and intangibles that you use to break down a fight, her opponent's 24. So, you know, the youth factor is going to be there, but you use the youth factor when it's in a situation where a fighter who's older has had so much more mileage on their body. That's not the case. So I'm going to be very interested to see if Lucy can use her speed and her footwork to keep Liz Carmouche at bay. Cause you don't want to have her too close to you because she'll launch you. Uh, she'll take you down on the ground and hurt you. So, uh, Lucy's going to have to stay at bay and just pick her shots. And they both have a penchant for going the distance. So this fight, in my opinion, could go the distance. It could be could end up happening on points here. So uh, I'm, I, I want to see. I want to see how it's going to be and how it's going to unfold. But I think if Liz does get a hold of her, guys, it could get real ugly. We also have John Vellante in action. Anybody want to take a crack at pronouncing his opponent's name? Michael. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what I, I was going to say. Alexa check. Yeah, that's that's what we're going to rock with. Alexa check is a minus two hundred. Volante is a plus one seventy. For me, in a fight like this, it, it's almost pick em odds because of Volante, and that, that's the story of his career. Almost every fight is a pick em. James, uh, who you got in this one? Uh, yeah, I, I. To me, it's it could go either way. I, I'm going to go Alexa Chuck. I think in this one, even though he has the layoff, if you remember, he got um, it was it was a no contest. He was coming off of uh, with a Khalil Roundtree, and that was because he was flagged by Usada. So you know the layoff is concerning in this one. But Volante is so inconsistent. Like you mentioned, even his last fight it was a split decision win. I think could have gone either way. Um, he just to me, there's not John Volante is the exact same fighter that we've seen for the last three years. There's nothing like uh, about him that really makes you think that he's going to do anything special or anything different. I know he does uh, train a bit more with Stipe, which is you know encouraging. He's getting some good quality op- you know training, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like uh, I like Alexa Chuck in this fight. I think he gets it done. Um, you know, especially with this being a European card, I think he's going to really show up and 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 get a big win here. And don't be surprised if he knocks out Volante because Volante has been knocked out and he's just been too too inconsistent for my liking. So there's no way I can pick him here. Anything on this, Joe? No, you know what? I'm over John Vellante. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm done with the whole when Chris Weidman was preaching him as my number one training partner and watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. The one good thing about John Vellante is that when he does go into a fight, it's a blue-collar fight. Bring your lunch bag or lunch box. You're fighting for 15 minutes. So uh, we'll see what Michael can do, but I will lean towards the favorite in this fight. And Alexa, check, check my check, catch a check, hopefully. on got five on it. I think giving one plus one seventy odds on someone who has went to four consecutive yeah. split decisions, that that's almost I got five on it worthy in its own. Co main event, this is a almost a pick'em. Stefan Struve against Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Struve is a plus one oh five. De Lima is a minus one twenty five. Joe's is right where it should be. I mean, Stefan Struve has a habit of just giving fights away at some point. I this is one of those guys. Up there with Uriah Hall, in, in my estimation, 
he is almost the equivalent at heavyweight of all these tools, but never any real growth. Yeah, it's strange that, you know, it's the, the, the one knock on him has always been the whole jab thing. You know, for a guy that tall, why can't you use your jab properly or sit on your punches and stuff like that? So uh, it'll remain to be seen. I mean, Adam is coming off a victory when he returned to heavyweight, uh, but it still went to the decision. Uh, not Adam, excuse me, um, Marcus. So it's, it's, it's so tough to determine what's going to happen in this fight here. I don't think it's going to be overly exciting. Then again, it is heavyweight, guys. Like heavyweights, anything can happen. And Struve has a penchant for you think he's going to have a boring fight or you think he's not going to be able to execute. And then, boom, he knocks his opponent out. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. James. Total coin flip, in my opinion. Struve's the underdog here. Should be noted, Struve, this is the last fight on his contract, so you know maybe some urgency here. They don't usually keep fighters around after uh, three straight losses, but he got another one here. Uh, as far as I know, he didn't train at Hard Knocks for this camp in the States, I think because of the proximity of where Prague is uh, to uh, where he lives in Holland. I think that, uh, yeah, he decided to stay home for this one, so not getting uh, some quali- as quality training partners, I don't think, as you would expect. Um, I'll probably go to Lima in this one, just because I think Struve at this point is just so unpredictable, but... Um, wouldn't it be nice to see him snap a three-fight win streak and, and get a victory here, uh, you know, relatively close to home and, uh, yeah, get the job done because, uh, you know, he needs it. If he goes into free agency off four straight losses, you know, I, I don't imagine there's going to be that many calls uh, to him after the fight. Uh, if I am correct, I believe that Stefan Strew, believe it or not, a year and a half younger than Francis Ngannou. <laughs> it's unbelievable to think because he's been around in the UFC for a decade now. Uh, it'll be literally a decade this weekend that he fought and got beat by Junior Dos Santos, and that progression just never came. Jan Blahovich against Tiago Santos, this is a good fight. I mean, it's not a, hey, everybody, tune in. We're going to watch the fights fight, but it is a good main event for what they're doing. Jan Blahovich, they're getting a little bit of mileage out of him, and I appreciate that. They He's won four in a row, and to be honest with you, I thought he was getting cut after he lost to Patrick Cummins. I thought that was happening because when you looked at his fights, he had lost four or five, all of them decisions. That's not usually something the UFC likes to make a habit of, hanging around on people like that. But we knew that he had a lot of potential because he was beating guys who, at the very least, were in the UFC. Obviously, at the end of their run, Houston Alexander, so could you, Gorian Relic, and KSW. But since then... He's uh, reeled off four straight wins, including two big ones, Manoa and Krylov, although is a win over Krylov ever really that big. <laughs> he is taking on a Tiago <laughs> Santos, who, quite frankly, beat the challenger for next weekend's uh, UFC light heavyweight title fight. Um, beat Eric Anders at light heavyweight. The, the, I consider that a real light heavyweight win because Eric Anders is just that big. Beat Jim, Jimmy Manoa. He's won uh, seven of his last eight fights. He's only lost to David Branch, who, quite frankly, can compete as a light heavyweight. So uh, I don't think that's that's like a big uh, concern. But he is a minus 120. Blahovich is a plus 100. Joe, who you got in this one? Oh, dude, you, you know that Tiago Santos is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC to watch every single time. This guy is just... A symphony of destruction. This guy's just violent, absolute violent. I mean, we're talking Justin Gaethje uh, versus Eddie Alvarez type of violence here. This guy doesn't care. He will go until he's got his last breath in his lungs. 
Uh, there's no chance I'm going to go against Thiago Santos. I mean, he's one of my favorites in the UFC right now, strictly from a violent perspective. So I do enjoy watching his fights. I wish I could call one of his fights. Uh, but yeah, Thiago Santos for sure. Interesting to note that Jan Blahovich has never been stopped in the middle of a round by strikes. I think he got tapped out once maybe 12 years ago. But other than that, I think so could you. I think he had to, to quit on the stool or throw in the towel, whatever that may be. It's hard to imagine Santos winning any other way, at least in, in this fight. But, James, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm going with the upset here. I'm going uh, Blakovitz. Uh, I, th- I think he gets it done by decision. I think he makes this dirty. I think he takes this. Uh, he- he's able to, you know, neutralize Santos' stand-up and really just uh, make this his fight. We saw that with Jimmy Manua. Um, this is a guy that you can't underestimate. I think, I mean, these guys are so identical. I mean, they're both 35. Um, they both have, you know, pretty notable wins, uh, you know, t- under their belt. I guess Santos finished Jimmy Manoa, whereas uh, Blakovitz uh, took him to a decision, but still a dominating win nonetheless. I think what it comes down to for me is just that uh, Blakovitz has been in the weight class longer. He's used to fighting bigger guys. I know Santos at one point fought at, I think, at welterweight. Um, you know, and he's, he's, he's looked good since moving up to, to 205. But uh, I think the experience at light heavyweight will will pay off for, for Blakovitz. And I expect him to pull off the upset here. This is a coin flip. I mean, if Santos goes out there and knocks him out, it would not surprise me either. But you just look at the durability of Blakovitz and, and what he's been able to do uh, in, in the UFC so far. And just be a little bit of a surprise, to be honest. Um, I, I think he takes home a, a really dirty decision in this fight. And people are going to be upset with how, you know, uneventful this fight is. Got my... UFC Prague. I got five on it in an update from last week. I had picked Czech Congo. He ended up winning. Brian Barbarina was seconds from winning. That would have been another two out of three for me. I'm going to go uh, Nardayev, who is a plus 325 against Prezeris, who is minus 400. I, I expect Prezeris to win, but man, that line is too good to be true. Another line too good to be true. John Dodson, a plus 225 against Peter Yan, a minus 265. Another one where I'm expecting Yan to win. But quite frankly, John Dodson has the ability to be almost anybody at Bantamweight. I don't think necessarily anybody, but almost anybody. John Vellante, a plus 170. As I mentioned, the guys went to four straight split decisions, so he can make it dirty, make it nasty. And Alexa Check is uh, a minus 200 there. So John Vellante, plus 170. John Dodson, plus 225. Nardayev, a plus 325. These are just flyer picks if you have an extra five put five on it joe what do you get going on this week i got some guy in the chat saying that i said kane won the fight apparently his hearing aid batteries are low change him um <laughs> settle down goofy go troll somebody else loser it's um, like the the dorkuses who show up and they're like oh you think wrestling's real i'm like oh, oh okay god i said the guy's knee blew out dummy oh, um not same old same old same old same old same old james do you want to cuss at some of our uh, viewers? No, I'm, I, I gotta. <laughs> one of one of uh, us Canadians has to keep things polite here. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I just had uh, two interviews up on the site: uh, Dwight Grant and Jillian Roberts. Since you guys can check those out on Fightful, follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. Uh, Going to be doing a bunch of cool interviews this week. Just talked to Mo Green today, who's stepping in on short notice against uh, Jeff Hughes, which is actually a rematch. If people remember, they fought in LFA last year. So uh, Mo Green looking to. Uh, you get some redemption here at UFC Wichita. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the time as always, guys. Guys, you all should uh, follow both of these fellows. Follow Carlos Toro as well. He's doing a lot of great boxing coverage here on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. Of course, visit FightfulMMA.com. I'm telling you guys, if you're missing out on these live coverages, 
join in hundreds and or even thousands of comments sometimes posting news videos all the time james lynch's interviews are up uh and hey the more uh traffic we do the more we'll expand stuff like that so thank you guys very much subscribe leave a thumbs up